Howdy everybody, it's awesome to be back here for another episode of the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. I hope that you're having a wonderful morning, day or night, wherever you may be in the world. Thank you all for your amazing support. I love hearing all of the feedback you guys are posting on your Instagram stories and from the reviews you guys are leaving on iTunes. It is so pleasing to see. With that being said, guys, continue to take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast from your smartphone and post it on your Instagram stories because I'd love to connect further with you all. Alrighty, and now to the show. This week on the podcast, I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down with Amy Giannotti. Amy wears many hats throughout her week. She's a qualified dietitian, a personal trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, a running coach, a yoga instructor, and on top of all that, she is a former national triathlete. Having all these hats enables her to educate and inspire her clients holistically, and that's nothing short of amazing. She's able to give them a great understanding of what it takes to reach their lifestyle-related goals. You would have noticed that I said lifestyle-related goals instead of health and fitness goals. This is because Amy is so, so passionate about balance and sustainability, and she preaches this message through her everyday life. Amy's mindset wasn't always like this, though. She had to endure the worst before she found this amazing way of life. She battled an obsession with exercise, dedicating over 25 hours a week to her vigorous training, as well as a toxic relationship with food. And Amy talks about this in depth during today's episode. As a result of her overtraining and restrictively eating, she ignored the warning signs her body was telling her and she placed an enormous amount of stress on her body. Being so goal driven and having tunnel vision, not being aware to her body and listening to the signs it gave her resulted in her not having her period for over five years, which is a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea. We discussed Amy's hardships facing this issue throughout today's episode as well. We also touched on the power of meditation and the role it has in her life, as well as tips for you guys on how to listen to your body and be more intuitive when we're training and eating. You guys might have noticed that I have fast-tracked this week's episode because the content is so, so amazing and I think that you guys can take a lot of tips out of Amy's story as well as it lining up nicely with people asking Amy questions about her condition and the podcast tells all. Amy's story is so inspirational and she's doing amazing things with the platform she's worked so hard for. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to share it with you all today. Enjoy the show, folks. Amy Giannotti, thank you for making time today and welcome to the Weekly Dose of Euphoria podcast. Thank you for coming and joining me in my office today. (laughs) Excellent. Just to paint the picture for you guys, we're sitting in Amy's office in South Yarra. We're just beside a main road here, so if you hear any loud trucks or anything go by, don't be alarmed, that's just that. Amy, I'm so pumped to have you on the show today. You've got a wealth of knowledge that have built you into the person you are today, so I can't wait to dive into everything you're doing. First, Amy, what was life like for you growing up? Um, What was life like growing up? So I grew up in Ballarat, or actually I grew up in Miner's Rest, so outside Ballarat. Um, So to paint a picture, 
Um, at one stage, I was riding my pony to school and we had motorbikes and my dad would even make go-karts. So pretty cool. Um, and then a little bit later, um, year nine was probably a big point of change in my life. Um, my mum left, um, so I'm the oldest of three. And then I grew up with my dad. So growing up with dad was pretty awesome um, overall. Um, <laughs> there was a big change initially with the diet. So yeah, from having a, a bit of a structure in my diet, um, living with mum or you know going between both, um, and then living up living with dad, there was kind of you know pocket money for school lunches, which was awesome. So it would be you know double donuts at least, and then you know lollies and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. It was ice cream for breakfast because I could, and maybe fish and chips for dinner or pizza or toasted sandwiches if we um, had time and the stuff to make it. So. That was pretty cool in the, <laughs> at, in the beginning, um, but then I did find that the food that I was putting into my body did start to have quite a big impact on how I felt. So I went from quite a sporty, confident kid to um, losing a lot of energy, falling asleep in class, although I was quite energetic at lunchtime, but then just, yeah, head just hitting the desk in, my, in class, trying to hold my eyelids open. And lost a lot of interest in school and in sport because I was just so tired and I just wanted to go home and eat and sleep pretty much and then lost confidence in my body my body started to change and um, kind of found myself a bit I don't know if the words depressed but just really down and um, luckily I was awake for one health class (laughs) where I heard um, the connection with food and functioning of your body and how you feel and how you function and um, it was at that stage I started to make some changes with, within our routines at home. I started shopping and um, preparing some of the meals at home, which my dad was really grateful for. He was a builder and you know never had much skill when it come to you know cooking healthy meals because his mum looked after him when he grew up and he was married when he was 19 or 20, so you can imagine. Um, but then, yeah, the changes that we made in the household had a huge positive impact on all of us um you know we come become a lot more united as a family and my grades improved my interest in school and got back into sport um i actually lost a fair bit of that weight that i put on which was also contributed to i suppose puberty and i suppose that was congratulated and really supported and yeah that i suppose grew my love or my appreciation for food and decided that I wanted to become a dietitian so I had to work really hard to get those grades um, and then got the grades and moved to the big smoke I was <laughs> 17 when I moved out of home and went to Deakin University did a bachelor of food science nutrition um, and then I did move on to do my masters of dietetics um, within the first year of studying um, I was working at Boost Juice and at Levi's um, as my part-time job getting like nine dollars an hour or something <laughs> like that and then in my little bit of spare time trying to go to the gym or go for a run so I decided maybe I should be a personal trainer and um, there was an eight-week course that was available on the school holidays which when you start off at uni you've got big long summer holidays so I did that and my dad said that he would pay for half so I paid for half and he paid for the second half and won like a payment plan but anyway I absolutely love that I found that all those people were just people like me. I absolutely thrived. And 
felt like you know that was where I was meant to be and I also won showing my love for the course um, won the champion award for that course which allowed me or which provided me two and a half grand towards starting off my business so wow. as a personal trainer and as a like 18 year old or whatever I was then that was huge um, so then I went to fitness first in South Yarra which is no longer there but it was on Chapel Street and didn't know anything about South Yarra at that time didn't know it was quite a wealthy suburb and Anyway, I was lucky to start off my personal training business there and I went really well. I was the only female there, which might have been a bit of a point of difference and I think I was a hard-working you know, country girl and um, yeah, I really loved the combination of personal training and nutrition and I think I built a lot of business skills as a personal trainer because you, know, you had your own business and you paid rent and I was already well within the fitness industry so when I finished my degree um, after five and a half years of studying I um, yeah just went straight into private practice and haven't looked back <laughs> fantastic and I love what you're doing there incorporating both nutrition and fitness because as we both know and I'm sure everyone else knows that fitness and nutrition go hand in hand together if you're looking at a holistic view of health and having those two avenues enables you to give your best to your client and obviously be educated about the decisions that you make in in your life so it's fantastic that you're doing that any tips for people that are doing personal training at the moment on what avenues to go out around what avenues to go down if they're trying to get a more holistic view so any short nutrition courses or pointers to where to look at to get a, a broad view um, it's a challenging one because nutrition is a huge, like people just think that you can do short courses, <laughs> whereas I think if you're going to do a nutrition course and you really want to, you know, be the expert in that, you need to commit the time and do the courses properly and then, you know, wear the hat that you want to, may it be a personal trainer and build a really good relationship with someone that you trust, a you know, a naturopath or a dietitian, sports dietitian, someone who you really um, relate to and yeah, instead of trying to wear too many hats. So I know I do wear a few hats, but you know, I've committed myself to a lot of study. So if you want to do that, definitely do that. Um, but in the personal training world, there is a lot of short courses that are available and I think it's a fitness network um, that does provide some short courses or is a great starting avenue but talking to other other trainers who you look up to is really good and one tool that I learned through university is a thing called information interviewing um, so finding a person who you want to be like or you admire or you want to be in their kind of place and maybe asking them for a coffee or a meal and getting a pen and paper or recording a bit of an interview with them and asking them all the things about their job um, what they do what, what they like what they don't like what things costs all those kind of things that you want to know so you can really understand and if you're still you know pretty dead set about that's the avenue that you want to go then you might you know follow on in a bigger degree as well awesome and i love that point that you raised there me myself i've just gone back to university to do naturopathy and i looked at all these short courses around there and there's a lot of screaming in the fitness industry in the health yeah. industry as you would know people are trying to push their fads over here and push that so it's important that getting the correct guidance would give you the the best information to equip others with yeah because sometimes not having all the information and giving your personal experience can actually be really damaging and it, I understand it's 
it's not intentional for the personal trainer who you know tells them what works for them but um yeah it can be very detrimental because there is no one size fits all diet and there's so many factors that we need to consider definitely so you're fresh out of uni you're doing your personal training when did you decide that you wanted to go down the strength and conditioning aspect and then into running coaching as well well they were just small courses they weren't years or anything um so i did yeah another course to become a sports dietitian so that's another qualification so that was at the ais in canberra so there are additional kind of guidelines and study that you learn for an athletic population so it's kind of like you've got general population for general healthy eating and then you've got your clinical guidelines when you're working with people with you know say cancer or kidney disease or liver disease or diabetes or and those kind of things which is in your masters of dietetics degree um, but then doing an additional course to work with athletes is another kind of speciality um, and then the strength and conditioning coach was only really a few weekends with some extra coursework and having to tick off some mentoring time um, and the running course was um, yeah only a couple of weekends as well and to be honest most of my running knowledge that I use is from personal experience um, I did compete at quite a high level in triathlon um, and before triathlon it was running so I actually made the Olympic distance um, sprint distance, duathlon and half Ironman um, distance sorry I qualified for the Australia team for those distances yeah. um, so and what age were you then? Sorry. Uh, that was like 20, around 25 cool, cool. so I was only did triathlon for oh, just under 3 years I think it was and yeah within well, 1 to 2 years um, I qualified for the age group for all of those events which really you're not meant to race all of those different events if you really want to you know succeeding one um, but just showed my dedication and pretty much obsession with triathlon at that that time and yeah I had some amazing coaches which I loved being able to put my sports dietitians hat on my personal trainer and strength and conditioning hat on and then learn from you know amazing athletes like one of my coaches was an ex-Olympian so you know passing down knowledge and going to amazing training camps training um yeah, in all different places with other elite athletes. So I learned a lot from that as well. Fantastic. And just for the listeners at home, what is a triathlon? A triathlon? Yeah. Um, swim, bike, run. <laughs> so there's many different distances. So you've got your sprint, Olympic, um, half Ironman and full Ironman. Um, the Olympic distance triathlon is the one that you see at the Olympics. Um, and then, yeah, the longer ones are your half and full. Fantastic. And what did a typical training week look like for you when you were obviously at your peak? Um, not that everyone had to do this, but I am an all or nothing kind of pretty obsessive type A person and I was probably doing, well, I was doing at least 25 hours. Wow. Everything was calculated on my um, my training programs through Garmin. Um, at the time I was also sponsored by Giant and, and Garmin. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's like it was a part-time job. It was taking up a lot of time, and to be honest, I did lose a bit of balance. It was becoming quite obsessive, and um, I, f- yeah, trying to achieve some goal that was just way off my pathway, and it took me off my pathway into a quite a lonely spot, really, and it caused me to. Um, ignore some really important body signals and yeah becoming quite disconnected which related to some health 
problems. Um, but yeah, largely had a big impact on my social health, mental health and physical health from just ignoring my body. And that was from yeah trying to achieve great things and really push my body so much, which is really encouraged in the sport. But um, yeah, when I was achieving quite high levels and I, you know, realized from a few areas, but when I did meet elite, elite levels, which, you know, people who did triathlon as a full-time job, I was like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I've worked so hard at uni and you just seem like a tired athlete, you know, no offense, but yeah. you know, everyone's got their own dreams, but that wasn't where I wanted to be. And what actually got me out of triathlon was a dream that I had, <laughs> um, very, very important, memorable, life-changing dream. So at the time I was trying to juggle everything but was failing I was trying to succeed as an athlete and trying to do the best I could I was married trying to be a good wife um, trying to be a good sister and um, daughter and then trying to be a good dietitian and I felt like I was just treading water I just couldn't do everything I was yeah just couldn't have everything and anyway I had this dream that and at this time sorry I had already got my Australia uniform in the mail because I had qualified for the world champs so the world champs were in Chicago that year already booked my flights and accommodation and leading up to that I had a dream that my dad was coming to see me and he's like hey Amy I'm coming to see you and so and so and I'm like oh shit and I forgot that I had this baby so I remember rushing home um, to this treehouse place that I lived in it was like Avatar treehouse I don't know why (laughs) And I remember rushing back and I was tired trying to get there like I had heavy legs and got there and saw my baby in its bassinet and it was like emaciated and looked like it was going to die and I had this massive feeling of guilt and um, thought, shit, Lucas is going to kill me. Not that he's going to kill me, but I just felt so bad that I'd done that to him as well and I remember trying to feed it before dad and Lucas would come and um, I had nothing to feed it. I had no nutrition, no energy, nothing to um, to give this poor baby who was mine. And then I just had this, just started crying and that's where I woke up. And then from then I was like, what am I doing? Like I just realized I was so off track and my obsession or my um, priority with always exercise coming first kind of just dropped a bit like it was a bit of a transition to come out of triathlon but the spell that I was almost under was just kind of gone wow so you've had that dream which is so so confronting (laughs) anyone who's had nightmares I remember it so clearly yeah wow what happened next what what happened after the dream um I remember talking to my best friend Nikita (laughs) and telling her about my dream and that I don't know what to do like I thought maybe I'll just finish these the world champs and then I'll stop doing triathlon but um I didn't want to tell my husband yet because then it was kind of like I don't know he would be too happy and think that that was decision made or something like that um but then when I started to train it was just there was just something there that was just like what are you doing and um yeah then I finally told my husband and I remember actually having a really important conversation with my dad so my dad obviously and I are really close and I told him about my thoughts and he said well Amy I'm really proud of all the stuff you do and you know when you call me up and tell me you won this or you got a medal or PB or whatever I'm proud of you but at the end of the day you might find yourself coming home and just staring at all your medals by yourself 
and that come from a good place from him but and I knew exactly what he meant and yeah so that's amazing so there's no like finishing triathlon and not going to the world champs there is absolutely no regret and I just realized it wasn't the right path for me I was chasing something that was not for me right so you cancelled your your tour straight away yeah um I didn't even get all my money back from my flights and accommodation I've still got my Australia uniform in the post bag which is not fully out because when it arrived I was like kind of a bit of a a funny period like I I was still a bit sensitive and I just didn't want to look at it um but it's still in my garage Wow. Yeah, I haven't worn it. Maybe I should put it on, but it absolutely won't fit me now. <laughs> yeah. And if you were to go up to the uniform, and what sort of emotions do you think would arise? Or can you paint the picture of if that was to happen? Well, now, because I know the journey that I've... Like, one of the reasons to stop that was, you know, to get balance with my life, to... You know, my relationship, to be honest, was, was definitely impacted, you know putting training all the time and you can imagine the stress you're putting on the body how tired you are you're always putting exercise first you become quite restricted with food I lost my period so there goes your libido (laughs) so you can kind of imagine those kind of things um so losing your yeah your menstrual cycle um the clinical definition is hypothalamic amenorrhea part of my reason to stop triathlon was to recover that back because I knew that not having it was not a good thing and it was a sign that things weren't right but you can kind of become really good at ignoring it and a lot of people in that space can just think it's a sign of fitness and you can half believe that so just recently I've finally healed from that it took a long time because you know when you ignore your body for such a long time it's not just an easy situation where you just say you know sorry or you know just have a rest for a day you've got to prove to your body that your body's safe again because um in that condition your body switches off non-essential bodily processes so obviously your menstrual cycle goes out the window because it doesn't want to save energy for a possible pregnancy um so it's taking a long time to to get that back so now that i finally have got back have got that back and i've worked really hard and i had to really dig down deep and learn a lot about myself and lose that or let go of that attachment to Amy the dietitian or Amy the fit person or Amy the triathlete and really find me so now to find or to if I was to go and grab that uniform today I'd probably be pretty proud of um, what I've done to let go of that Uh, and you definitely (laughs) should be proud I followed your journey on Instagram and and it's so inspiring I face a similar thing with Mm. obsession with exercise and restrictive eating as well and just seeing that it happens to like-minded people in the community as well and how they combat it is amazing and I want to dive more into the what happened there a bit later on but Amy looking back now what were the warning signs that you ignored and what was your mindset like in that tunnel vision aspect when you were training as a triathlete so tunnel vision and like a spell I like to think of it because people could have said stuff to me but I wouldn't have listened it doesn't even matter what they said I was just so stubborn um well the signs that things weren't wrong is that I wasn't having a period but it's easy for people not to see that (laughs) um I was always putting exercise first so exercise um was like the priority and life happened after exercise was fitted in rather than life first and then see if you can fit some exercise in um, exercise wasn't to try and wasn't adding value to my life it wasn't 
making me healthier or happier really it was kind of a way to have control something and you know I'm learning a lot of stuff about myself now um, which kind of stems from childhood of these negative um, self-beliefs that I had of not feeling special you know with mum leaving and also not having control so I've always felt like I needed to have control because I didn't have it when I was younger so restrictive and controlling around food and exercise was kind of like a band-aid for me um, but it wasn't really like a long-term solution to deal with the shit that I really needed to it was quite harmful Um, some other things were obviously my restrictive behavior but I think I got away with that for so long because I was a dietitian and I was um, an athlete so people were like oh that's what you have to do to be dedicated Um, but the stuff that I went to 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 fulfill those routines or rules was pretty crazy like getting up at crazy hours in the morning to go to the gym and of course I could go to the gym at three or four o'clock in the morning before a flight because I had keys to a gym because I own gyms and worked in gyms and I could always make things happen because I'm pretty strong and um and yeah I had some bone uh I had some overuse injuries but I just used it as an excuse as that's what you got to do if you if you want to succeed great thing you've got to push your body hard (laughs) I had a um stress reaction on my femur and a few other overuse injuries but yeah I just kept going for a while I just needed that dream to be honest (laughs) yeah I look at photos now to be honest and I was like whoa how did I not see that it's pretty crazy and um yeah I I think a lot of people can relate when you're so passionate about some something and obviously fitness when you're in the in the Mm. industry you're always surrounded by and the common picture is you need to be the person you want to make your client so you need to be super fit and you need to push yourselves and you trick yourself into making Mm. it okay for you for any listeners at home that may be experiencing some of those warning signs what are some tips for them so they don't uh, go down the same path that you did um a really good tool is meditation and i know people think it's such a hard thing and it's too hard but a regular meditation practice can help you to identify the thoughts and behaviors that do serve you and that um, are potentially quite harming so by some regular meditation and mindfulness practice it helps you to be like the witness of those thoughts and have a bit of detachment from those thoughts without that emotional attachment and yeah be a bit more of a judge or a witness to to see you know where you're going and I like to think of it as like your pathway and you know if you're finding that you're falling off path a little bit um, a meditation practice is just helps you to kind of get you back on there and take actions that best support you even if they might be really tricky um and being around supportive people and positive people so people around you should lift you up and make you feel good um rather than feel that you're inferior to them i think um yeah i think and and of course knowledge but googling things and stuff like that can be really dangerous so um to find to find to find yeah experts in that field which again can be tricky (laughs) yeah Yeah, we were chatting about that before actually and that's fantastic meditation is gaining a lot of momentum and the only reason it's doing that is because it's so it works that's the yeah it absolutely does and do you have any tips for people on where to start with meditation um i because i'm a yoga teacher so i i first started my own practice through my yoga teacher training 
Um, but I think guided meditations such as the app Insight Timer is a really, really good start. Um, you can search by themes such as stress, anxiety, sleep, um, and then even the type of voice that you want to listen to and the time. So you could do 5 to 10, 10 to 15, those kind of things. And even if you have a, a meditation teacher or someone that's you know speaking you kind of follow them and um you know when, once they've got a new podcast out not podcast <laughs> you um <laughs> it looks it's like a podcast the way that you open up the app a new meditation out then you know you can you can know about that um because i have so much um appreciation for meditation and i wanted to learn a little bit more so i can share my experience with others i've actually went and got a meditation mentor so i was going to a a yoga studio called happy melon and they had meditation classes which you know amy a few years ago would never enter into one of those rooms it'd be like what are those weirdos doing like why are they sitting like that <laughs> you know um but now I, I love it and there was this lady um who i really connected with and i asked if she would be my mentor and i think she was a little bit shocked like what do you mean and um yeah i wrote her a letter of or an, an email about the things that i would like to learn and yeah, I see her once a month and she gives me homework and it's been really good for my growth. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. And I guess not a lot of people would link meditation to having a teacher. Like you go and see a <laughs> trainer to train you. Why can't we do it with meditation? Well, I didn't know what courses to do and medit- there's not, yeah, it's a bit of a funny area to do a course in and I thought, yeah, I'll see what I can learn for her. I've already got enough certificates. Yeah. So I, didn't, I didn't really need another one. But yeah. Fantastic. And I'll have that app in the show notes for you guys for anyone that is interested in some meditation. Along with the overtraining and exercise obsession, Amy, I understand you developed some bad relationships with food. Tell us a little bit about your journey with food. Um, well, I think food become important um in year nine year ten when i or first of all like i i started with it was like my my diet or my routines with food changed dramatically in year nine year ten and then i started you know eating a lot more healthier and you know listening to health classes and doing my own research and trying to eat really healthy but i was (laughs) didn't really know exactly what was healthy i remember buying the free-range corn-fed chicken or something and not really knowing why I was buying it but I just thought it was the most expensive one so it must be the best one and dad was arguing about we don't need it and I'm like yes we do he's like why I'm like we do it's a healthier one (laughs) I didn't really know um so I had a lot of value with because I was just feeling better by eating better food it had a massive change in my confidence my grades and my function as a body in school and then then yeah I got a lot of I suppose compliments and a lot of attention I'm gonna say to when my body changed so a lot of positive reinforcement that the weight loss was good so part of me thought that I needed to kind of keep doing it I think and um, there was a stage where it was a bit too important and I found myself just not being as flexible and you know really limited in social opportunities and saying no to different things where I couldn't control food because that would give me anxiety or get let me feel make me stressed but then again I'll just tell myself it's because I wanted to be healthy but 
you know, now when I look at health, I have a very holistic lens. You know, equally important is your social health, your physical health and mental health. And so I always make sure they're all balanced. So if that means having a pizza on Tuesday night because all your family's meeting up, then hell yeah, I'm not staying home and having my steamed veggies and chicken or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's important to catch up with your family because, um, yeah, I've got an amazing family and they make me very happy. Wow, that's an amazing point that you raised there. And you touched on before what a bad relationship with food does look like. What are some warning signs for the listeners just so they can paint the picture to see if it's something that they're currently doing? Uh, Well, if you... Because obviously now I work with a lot of people with eating disorders and help them through their recovery and aware of obviously a lot of the signs and symptoms, but having a preoccupation with food. um, When you're ignoring your body's appetite signals um you 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 become yeah quite disconnected and if you're telling your body you can't have certain things you generally think about them a lot more so thinking about food and exercise as well being really pre- preoccupied around that um you'll find that people with some a bad relationship with food will like to see other people's see other people eat or always feel better they're feeding others that's um, a very common symptom um yeah social isolation social isolation isolation um even being competitive with people being competitive with how healthy the food is compared to someone else or comparing how much exercise that that person has done and feeling like you have to do more um for some reason because that's not coming from a place of self-care or health it's coming from some other um, negative self-beliefs that you'll probably need to work through and when it comes to exercise because it is similar to obviously food um, working th- or tr- continue, continuing to train through injury and continuing to train through illness is not a sign that you're honouring your body and listening to your body Wow, there's some great points thanks for sharing that with us Amy and on the opposite end of the spectrum how do you fix a bad relationship with food? Um, well, a lot of people can tell you don't have a healthy relationship with food and you might not hear them. So the first one would be awareness. Um, and that, that's, it can come from many different angles. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom <laughs> to, to have that awareness or someone you connect with, hopefully like maybe myself showing my, sharing my story, that connection helps you to kind of um, reveal that spell cover <laughs> whatever it is yeah. um, and then starting to realize that there might be a change that you need to take um, and then weighing up the pros and cons of making change to that behavior and then you'd start to recognize that there is more cons of not changing or more pros of changing um, and then taking action in letting go of that restrictive and controlling behaviors and there you might to, might start to see that they are kind of like a band-aid or a, something that you've been trying to use to solve some other issue that didn't get sorted out in younger life. It could have been, you know, split up parents or maybe abuse when you were younger or um, some kind of really challenging childhood time that you know made you feel like you maybe need control or stability and need to restrict things to kind of survive, which... You know, in the short term, it can it can make you feel good, but long term, living like that is going to be really detrimental. Um, then, yeah, recognizing that there's that change that you need to take, and then looking at p- 
possible barriers um, or challenges that might come up and maybe could contribute to a bit of a relapse and almost um, creating a bit of an action plan. I think writing it down could be really good or chatting with someone. And the big thing is you need to define your why. So why it is important to you and that might be your ultimate goal or you might think, oh, hang on, do I really want to look back at my life in 10 years and just think about how I have to exercise this much every day or how I can only eat this amount of food or you know whatever it is um, and ask yourself, would you regret that kind of behavior? And maybe some accountability, so checking in with someone that you trust, maybe a parent or a best friend or possibly even a psychologist or a um, if you are working with a specialist dietitian, someone like that, just to help you in those initial changes to have that accountability. Fantastic. And it is important to note that we, we aren't all es- experts in everything. So seeking that advice can be very beneficial for you. For yes. someone that may be going through the same thing as you went through or experiencing some symptoms like this, where can someone get in contact with you to, to help them through the situation? Um, my website would be a good start. So www.eatingfit.com.au. Um, my Instagram, Amy Lee Giannotti, which is a long word to spell, but maybe you can write it down. On I'll the, have it in the show notes. <laughs> you can write it in the yet. show notes. Uh, I think that's yeah, pretty much it. Um, I've got some some exciting stuff coming soon, so hopefully some stuff to be able to help people going through a similar journey. Fantastic. And anyone else that is just wanting to have a surface chat with me, I'm more than happy to, to help you through that as well. Amy, I just wanted to quickly get your take on calorie counting. Being a personal trainer myself and following a lot of pages on Instagram, personal trainers always place a huge emphasis on calories in versus calories out and you need to track your calories to achieve your goals. But where do you think that calorie (laughs) counting fits in and where is it acceptable? Yeah, when we're getting too fixed on external rules or external measures, then we stop ignoring our, our own really intelligent body wisdom like you know for a long time before there was guidelines or calculators our bodies knew what we needed to eat or how much we needed to eat and we could you know we could live um and the more we stop listening to our body the more disconnected we get and those kind of two voices are going to enter your head which a lot of people um talk about and how much you know wasted time and noise um is involved in their day about bloody food so you need to, you know, tap into your body and honour that first. Trust yourself. You know, obviously guidelines and dietitians are really helpful with the knowledge, but you know, you're always going to be the expert. So when it comes to general healthy eating, I learn. I like to teach people to um, be intuitive with their hunger and appetite, and and honour that. So if you are hungry, feel okay to eat and eat something. Don't have to wait till seven o'clock or <laughs> whatever. Um, and someone who is an intuitive eater will feel okay to stop eating when they're satisfied or getting towards full. Um, in opposite to that, someone who had these really restrictive food rules, um, if they found themselves eating some ice cream and that was a bad food, then they're probably more likely to you know, binge eat on that and find themselves eating way past full. And then we know that that you know, results in those feelings of guilt, um, regret, lack of self-control. And those restrictive food behaviors are the things that drive eating disorders and you know that really negative dangerous compensatory behavior like you know people making themselves sick or excessive exercise and those kind of things um calorie counting 
as well like the guidelines or the equations that people are using are just estimates you know they can be a good guide but there is so much room for error um and then when it comes to reading food labels again there's so much room for error they're just based on averages and calculators like i've created my own um labels myself and yeah you know anyone really can do it you don't have to be a dietitian to make those labels you can do them online and you can put estimates on it and yeah wow you want to there's so much room for error in that but your body um knows what it needs if you can listen to it fantastic and that's a great point that's what i'm trying to preach here with my business is listening to your body and trying to focus on health as a holistic viewpoint instead of narrowing it to aesthetic views or or color is in versus color is out because it's yeah. much more than that yeah definitely awesome. when it comes to a i would say when it comes to performance goal like if you're a dietitian sorry if you're a um working with a dietitian as a triathlete for example and you're wanting a nutrition plan um, around training and especially for race day so especially if you know you're an endurance athlete and putting your body under huge loads then we know that hitting certain carbohydrate guidelines like for example 60 grams per hour um, is going to not only support a you know a greater performance or really competitive um, performance but also support health when you're putting your body on great stress so you know when you're pushing your body so much you're not going to feel <laughs> as probably hungry but you need to be giving yourself you know certain amount of fluid and obviously carbohydrates and then when it comes to an individual who has weight gain goals then a positive energy balance is obviously required for that um, and if that goal comes from just restoring a healthy weight or an athlete who wants to put on muscle mass then having some knowledge around what foods contain what energy to help promote that positive energy balance um, is important to yeah, achieve that weight gain or muscle gain goal fantastic so calorie counting does have a purpose when serving with athletes or individualized specific goals yeah. uh, fantastic awesome amy i want to talk more about your experience with i hope i pronounce this right hypothalamic amenorrhea yep. is that correct and tell us about your journey when you were went and saw or seek guidance for it and got diagnosed with this condition what happened there what was the plan going forward well it's a really misunderstood um condition so early on when i was diagnosed a doctor said that just go on the pill to protect your bones for, for now because um, one of the diagnostic criteria is low estrogen and um, lacking a period for greater than three months so when you're not getting your period and not having enough estrogen um, you're not getting enough calcium into your bones because estrogen is like the transport vehicle for calcium into your bones so that has a negative impact obviously on our bone mineral density and increases our risk of fracture so a lot of i suppose not so much experienced just general doctors would prescribe the pill thinking that that's going to be a good band-aid effect and then they said to me that when you want to have a baby just put on some weight and stop some exercise and yeah everything should just come back but um it's not that simple it's definitely not that simple in terms of it's not that easy <laughs> mentally and then when i did speak to specialists in that area when i had lost it for quite a long time um even they said that there's a chance that it would never come back yeah. and that was really hard you know putting my my whole life revolved around exercise and eating well with a dietitian and trainer and all that kind of stuff so to completely stop exercise and gain you know five to ten kilos for a chance that it might come back was pretty bloody tough um so 
Yeah, and I think a lot of the race or the reasoning behind that opinion from a specialist is because they're not really seeing people do the lifestyle stuff. Um, they're normally seeing people who they would put on, you know, fertility drugs and help them to have a baby. So I did get told that you know I could do ovulation induction to um, bring on a period and and help me to have a baby one day. Um, and I was actually worked up to do that but when it come to actually doing it after um, a good holiday away and I was like no I just can't do it I feel like that's just cheating it and I feel like I haven't been giving it a hundred percent I feel like I've been giving it 95 percent maybe and you know I don't want to be a mother who's just kind of cut corners and I know if I found myself pregnant and something went wrong with that baby I would just blame myself you know yeah. I want to be a role model to give a hundred percent not take shortcuts so it was just something I couldn't do amazing and what was the next step forward after you made that realization back from your holiday um well I knew deep down in my heart that I needed to reduce exercise and put on a bit of weight and then took it step by step to be honest and because I've kind of thought this for a while I I actually went live or whatever on um, social media and I put that post there for a bit of an accountability because I thought once I put that there I can't go back and I have you know a reasonable following and my family and everything's on there so it was a huge thing and once I pressed the um, upload button or whatever I was like oh my god 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 <laughs> and then I was like oh shit I gotta do it so yeah and then I actually got a really positive response I thought people would really look down on me and thought I was a bit of a um oh what's a word like not a very good dietitian and really dishonest and um yeah I actually didn't get that response maybe people were thinking about thinking that behind the scenes but I didn't really get that I had an overall positive response which is really good so I cut back my exercise um first of all just cut out high intensity exercise started upping my energy intake obviously I have the understanding of um what energy and nutrients foods contain so I made sure I was in a positive energy balance which would obviously lead to weight gain but provide the body with additional energy so it could switch on those functions that have been switched off so when the body has this environment where there's extra energy then um, over time it will switch, you know, be able to switch on those um, functions that the body is switched off because the hypothalamus is like the con- control center of the brain and that kind of senses everything in the body and the big communication Um, boss I suppose so I needed to prove it to the boss up there that um, you know it was a safe it was a safe thing and then cutting back the exercise especially the intense exercise was a way to reduce cortisol and stress Um, and then I had to just meditate just to help me get through the days and not feel so anxious and so I could sleep because sometimes I would just be like stuff it I just want to like I just want to go for a bloody run (laughs) you know it was hard in the beginning and yeah I set little goals for myself or little challenges which just come as I went through the process I set a goal to do a diet challenge which was definitely not a diet challenge but it was trying to do something different every day and um, something different like eat something different or eat in a different place or eat at a really different time and I learned there that I had a lot of restrictive food behaviors um, just doing that and every time I did this little challenge it was so freeing it was like prison gate was just open and I was like wow (laughs) I didn't realize how stuck I was with um yeah just these little rules that I had in my in my head 
and yes I gained weight stopped exercise just had to be patient and patient and it took me when I was all in I suppose or giving it a hundred percent from July 20th it took me just over four months I was also doing a bit of acupuncture um I will warn people that that's not the one thing that got me back it was a lifestyle stuff um so if you're just doing that I don't really think you would get there but yeah it was yesterday that it come back and um I was very much in shock I think I was expecting a whole like a lot to come back in one go and it was just this small amount and I was like is this it and I was like oh my god (laughs) and then I um messaged my husband who was at work and then he called back and I think he realized I was a bit in shock and I don't think he really thought I got it back because I was like I think I was just trying to be safe I didn't want to yeah be too excited just in case it wasn't and then I was like oh my god and then I started tearing up a little bit and um gave my dog a cuddle and (laughs) then rang my sister and then rang my dad and I was like oh my god (laughs) just like a weight lifted off oh it was huge I was just so proud of myself because you know there's so many doubters out there and it yeah it's was so hard just mentally to to make those changes um for someone else who I you know it's easy to not understand you know they can just be like just stop exercising just eat a couple of donuts a day you know it's, it's easy it's but simple, no. it was letting go of my ego or my identity so I had to just let go of that and that's how I really learned to believe that I was more than just labels <laughs> and how did you cope with the mental aspect obviously going from training 25 plus hours a week and eating restrictively eating towards your goals to now training no high intensity at mm. all and eating a positive energy balance what, what did you do to combat that um, I'm just gonna say yoga and meditation so I I went from doing obviously oh, yeah when I was doing triathlon I stopped that but then that was only back down to like an hour of pretty intense training every day with strength training and and running um so the first stage was backing off my running and um you know hit style training which was really challenging because I own a gym so I couldn't really go and go to my gym and go to the classes so that was that was really hard and everyone's probably like why is she not here and they're probably seeing me on social media just gaining this weight and they're like what's she doing all this lazy stuff for you know (laughs) so but I just had to just not worry about what other people thought I knew I was doing the right thing for me and then I was just doing a few strength training sessions a week um I toned it right down to two that was like the minimal I thought I could do and then I just looked in at myself at one stage and I thought I'm still not giving a hundred percent I've got some really positive signals that it's returning um I just I won't go into the details but I knew it was returning and I thought no I've got to give it a hundred percent I know what that is it's cutting out the strength training I know that was kind of like oh I don't want to lose all my muscle tone and I want to be able to still do those skills but that was still me stuck on my identity so I needed to let go of that just fully let go just be open and just let myself heal and within three weeks of stopping the strength training it come back wow yeah <laughs> amazing and amy i'm blown away by your journey here and the resilience to battle the the voice inside your head telling you that you can't do it and the positivity that you show throughout it you should be very proud of yourself so well done thank you <laughs> and just for the listeners at home what are some tips on how to listen to your body when training and what does a typical week of training going to look like for you now that you've obtained all this knowledge um everyone's body is going to be different 
um, so don't expect to be like somebody else. Um, try and be mindful during your workouts. You know, pay attention to the now, not thinking about the future and what happened last week. Try and be present so you can be aware of the good pain and the bad pain and you will know what that is when you're listening to your body and maybe reflecting once a week you could use a, a journal and just reflecting on your training and um, that can help you to reassess and go forward so you can't really make massive long-term plans because things happen and you know your body might might adapt faster or not adapt as fast as you think it may um, so continuously being quite mindful and reflecting and being honest would be really important um what was the other question about and what does a week of training look like for you now <laughs> well, at the moment it's just a bit of light yoga well i would call it light yoga but other people might be quite intense because i'm always trying to whip out some hands <laughs> and arm balances and stuff but it's really not that hard for me because not being stuck up but i'm quite strong so it's not for that sure. hard <laughs> um so it was yoga most days and then walking my dog so i bloody love my dog so much and she gets talked to like out loud <laughs> i know she doesn't talk back but it's she's been some good company um but i have got it back now i won't be changing anything just yet i would like to see at least two or three cycles come back um and then i'm really looking forward to getting back into some strength training not about changing my physique more just because i just feel so good <laughs> i just Fantastic. love like lifting stuff and doing skills it just makes me feel strong and I love it and then the last thing I'll introduce will be like running and some intensity work but I'll be listening to my body and only taking it at a rate that I know is safe and supports my optimal health and fitness and it will not come first like exercise will you know come not last but life comes first and sure. I'll fit it in when I have time excellent and you're going to use exercise as a celebration of what your body can achieve rather as a yeah. restrictive measure measure for what you what you ate the night before yeah so. I can't wait to get back to my muscle ups and <laughs> do some other cool stuff again because I miss them yeah. excellent and for anyone that is wanting to get in contact with Amy have a look at her Instagram page looking back at the knowledge you've attained now Amy what would you go back and say to 17 year old Amy just getting into the whole fitness and health world well I did a really cool exercise when I was on a yoga retreat where we actually took ourselves through this meditation slash mindful exercise where we went through like a jungle went through this whole big thing and then we found this girl in um, this open field under the tree and then you get really closer and closer and closer and then you realize it's you so I was so present at that time and you were guided to give that person a letter and then I had to ask myself what was in that letter and I realized the letter was going to say you are special yeah. so I would tell her that <laughs> amazing that's so touching yeah. uh, Amy talk to us a little bit about what you're doing providing kids at school with education and nutrition what are you doing there yeah so a new program and business that we recently launched um, called totem retreats which is a school wellness program so that's co-founded with another amy um very spelt differently so we <laughs> definitely get all mixed up but she comes from a very diverse place more um corporate and events and that kind of stuff so she hasn't got any formal health qualifications but we're a perfect team and i truly believe you know year nine year 10 year 11 you know late high school is such a vulnerable stage where you are so such a sponge and I wish I had a, a mentor or a role model 
at that time to tell me the things that I, I do now. And I do believe that I'm, I'm not too old yet. So I think, you know, that age group can still kind of relate to me. And I've had a lot of experience, obviously, speaking to, to young, especially um, teenage girls, and that's where I get the greatest reward. So with that program, it um, is a half day or a full day program where we do three kind of parts. Um, we look at nutrition, and you know building a healthy relationship with food to help you know maximize their performance in school and you know get the most out of their their study and all that kind of stuff and the second part is on body image so really you know delving into that because it's a critical time when our body's changing you know we're getting different shapes we're getting stretch marks and you know all that kind of stuff so it's really good to be out in the open and for me to share my story as well and talking about you know body talk and just getting people not so attached to their identity and learning them more than than just that because I think during that stage everyone thinks that it's just way too important pretty much definitely and the third part is yoga and meditation so giving them some tools to help combat stress and anxiety and develop their own really easy meditation practice which is definitely going to help you know through exams and all the stuff you go through with all the raging hormones being a yeah. bloody adolescent. I I don't want to go back to adolescence. People talk about school being the best times of their life. I freaking hate looking back at school. Like I don't know. I you're wasn't an, wasn't my happy place to be honest. But you're now in a positive mind frame to create good experiences for people that are in yeah. that position now. So you're doing fantastic things, and I'll definitely be watching that space because this is a, a project of mine that I'm passionate about. So amazing, Amy. Just to finish off with, I want to know what your main message that you're trying to spread is. <sighs> that is a hard one. Oh, maybe just something around looking at health with a very holistic lens, you know, making sure that you're honoring your social health, your physical health, physical health and your mental health because if you haven't got, you know, that key framework, it's not going to provide you or send you off on a very happy and healthy journey unbelievable amy i'd like to thank you so much for your time today it's been so inspiring listening to your story and following your journey as well now being able to put it into pieces and i know my listeners will take a lot of advice out of what you've shared so thank you so much thank you i appreciate it and that's this week's dose of euphoria Connect with myself and the Euphoria Health community on Instagram or Facebook at Euphoria Health. Through these channels, you'll find cool workouts, plant-based recipes and daily challenges. Until next time, guys, I'm your host, Matt Zapala, And remember, don't settle for anything less than Euphoria.